the first memory that Mr. Oakes possessed that he could trust was of walking up a flight of stairs humming the Bob Seger song, Night Moves. You know the one. Ain't funny how the night moves with autumn closing in? It was the bit after that, the twangy rhythm before the last chorus section. There was a tune he was trying to time as he shifted his red beard bulk up step by step. Ain't it funny? And wasn't it funny that this was his first true memory? Mid-journey up a flight of stairs, midway through trying to recall a song. Whoever had heard of life beginning in the middle. And even though he knew this memory held a comfortable position inside his head, it was not truly his. He had not begun the walk up the stairs. He had not placed the Bob Seger song on his lips. Neither had he shaped the beard on his face or selected the clothes on his round frame. These had one and all been provided for him by Malcolm Mayhew the man who imagined Mr. Oakes into being. Even now, having long since become aware of his nature, Mr. Oakes did not fully understand it. Back in the days of the Golden Sun, the tortured and lonely Mr. Mayhew had needed some kind of friend for all his endless hours of study and isolation. The companion he conjured was a broad-bellied ginger named Mr. Oakes, and so long as he had Mr. Oakes to chat with, he was never truly alone. Mr. Oakes could remember those conversations. He could taste the dust that soaked every room Mayhew went to study and research. Could still feel the pleasant boredom of a day passing in amiable talk or comfortable silence. He could remember those moments, but they were not his. Then the black sun replaced the gold. And in those early days of terror, Mr. Mayhew had focused all his mind on this imaginary being that had given him so much comfort in the past. By some force of the black sun world, that belief had taken a new shape. A flesh and blood Mr. Oakes jogged up a flight of stairs, humming a familiar song he had never heard before. Ain't it funny? Mr. Oakes had not at first known himself a lie, and when the truth was discovered, he had reacted, as you can now admit, poorly. He abandoned the life that he had been given. Looking back on the disasters that struck St. Peter's and the outliers and the city since his departure, it all racked him with a guilt that was almost actually physically painful. But he knew too that he was no good to anyone as a mutant, caught in anguish between who he believed himself to be and what he truly was. Especially since he now understood that it was not his own belief. Mr. Mayhew had not responded well to the severing of their bond. He had thrown himself into trying to better understand and master the magic that moved through the Black Sun world, thick as pollen on a mid-spring day. That road had proved short, and it ended in death. 
Mayhew lay slain in the dark world between worlds, where shadows and demons whirled unseen, and the nameless death god brooded over old triumphs. It was in this world that Mr. Oaks now moved, striding just as he once had, but without any sort of jaunty tune to keep him company. Mayhew's spirit was in here somewhere, and he intended to find it. Yes, it had meant turning his back on the city and its people once again, but Mr. Oaks did not take this as a new betrayal. He was no longer running away. He was running towards something, but what he truly sought was not something he could put into words. Besides, he had figured, there were plenty of gods to keep a watch in the city while he was away. How was he to know that while he wandered, the Death God would slay each and every member of the city's new pantheon? He felt their deaths like an ice pick through the eye. When the pain settled to something he could stand, the emptiness he discovered was so all-consuming that he missed the agony. Around him was only darkness, and beyond him was only silence. The last living god of the city beneath the black sun was stranded alone in another dimension, with no way back and no sense forward, and without even memories of his own to while away the wasted forever of his existence. Ain't it funny? But then, yes, the night moved. After time beyond what he could measure, Mr. Oaks felt something new. Ribbons of light wove new corridors in the endless night, healing to him as if they had been trained by his own hand. Mr. Oaks tenderly pet one of the closer ribbons. In the light was a voice, and it spoke his name. His ears perked up for now I could hear his name shining in each stream of light, each calling in a new and separate voice. The ribbons crept close and began to encircle him. Little rushes of pleasure flowed through his being as the lights folded against and then slipped inside of him. With a knack that came easier and easier, he felt he could reach inside of himself and select a few strands to focus on. When he did so, Mr. Oaks' vision blurred, only to blink back into focus behind someone else's eyes, inside someone else's head. He could leap from strand to strand, from mind to mind. With an effort, he could hold himself in two places at once, each half of him regarding the other in its host. Soon he had graduated to more than just two places at once. He closed his eyes, and with a thought, opened them again in dozens of different heads. And he did not just occupy the heads of those whose belief had founded him in the dark. The moment he touched into someone's mind, he knew their every memory and thought. He could know every nook and cranny of their hearts, even those chambers they held most secret. Quickly, 
he gathered that these new faithful were the children of the outliers, stolen away from the city before fires raged it, taken and transformed by the pantheon before the gods themselves fell. Their memories had been wiped clean to make their new lives acceptable. But now they were back beneath the black sun, alone and afraid, and some peace in all their minds burned to be made whole. Locked chests, begging to at last be thrown open. Mr. Oakes heard their wails to know themselves, and he acted without pausing to question how it was he was acting. He took the burning wound in his hand and whispered to it, Heal. Somewhere in the sky, a hawk stopped mid-flight. It lingered in the air, knowing once again what it had been to have fingers, hands, lips, to have a name. Mr. Oakes whispered his gift to all the pain he found. The more he did, the more ribbons of light sliced through the dark of the dead world and came to his call. He was there, but he was also in the skies and rivers and valleys of the Black Sun land. Here I am, he spoke in every seeking mind. I am, the searchers now understood. And in the darkness he came back to himself, newly radiant and free of grief. With the strength newly gifted him, Mr. Oakes reached out to find what he had so long sought in the dark. If there was anything to be found, he would sense it now. It would not take much. There. The flicker of an idea of an echo. Almost nothing. No matter. Mr. Oakes reached until he found purchase in the faint mind, and then he leapt away and towards his target. He found who he sought in the ruins of an ancient castle. The dark dimension had grown to the brick and to the mortar, stretching and perverting their shapes until the castle twisted and coiled inwards and outwards. A shadow stood among the forsaken stones, less a person than the idea of one, hovering on the moment before the mind turns, an idea that was almost realized winks out of your head like it was never even there. Mr. Oakes came slowly to the lone figure, seeing him, but seeing through him as well. The shade of Mr. Mayhew did not greet him. Look, he said, and pointed. Mr. Oakes followed where the finger aimed. Through the eternal night of that place, his godly vision could make out the lines and shapes of a city. Their city swallowed by the death god once he became bored with the games being played therein. Even a god can finally grow tired of playing with their food. The city floated in the void as if hung in amber. Rag dolls that had once been animate 
drifted limp through hollow bones of mighty steel and iron giants. Mr. Oak could still feel his gifted memories that knew the strange music of a busy sidewalk, just as he knew each street had a music all its own. All those walkways were silent now, dead and limp like coils of discarded snakeskins, twisted together. We fought for this, Mr. Mayhew sighed. I died for this. Mr. Oakes raised his hand, but dared not touch his former friend in case he broke apart like mist. Malcolm, he said. Malcolm, why are you still here? Even here, there are roads towards rest. What was left of Mr. Mayhew shook his head. The enemy has too many faces. He comes offering deals. He comes smiling with a mouthful of too many teeth. His face is friendly, but his mouth is so full of teeth, you wonder how he closes it. But he does. He'll eat you whole if you let him. A lot of our people have let him. Better white teeth than black nothing. And every meal makes him stronger, even as getting stronger only makes him hungrier. Mr. Oakes stroked his beard. So he defeats himself at the last. If death devours all life, then eventually there is nothing left to eat. That's how balance is meant to work. A cruel smile flitted to the lips of the shade. The parasite does not bother with balance. It gorges itself until there's nothing left to consume. Then it finds a new host. He is digesting the city as he once digested towns and strongholds, maybe a small continent or two. Eventually he will finish and he'll go seeking another meal. Another city? Mr. Oakes asked. Mr. Mayhew shrugged. Or a country, a continent, a world. There's an infinite number of worlds, you know. Who will notice when one goes missing? The people living there, perhaps? It's their own fault, Mr. Mayhew said. And anyway, maybe they prefer a moment of terror than a release from ever having been. Maybe that's better, being forced to do the full run, carrying all this doubt. If I could be sure of oblivion, I'd probably take that damn thing up one of its invitations. Better nothing than pain. Is life such a curse? Mr. Oakes asked. Yes, Mr. Mayhew replied. And double damned are those of us who multiply the error by infecting even more with it. You didn't ask to be made, and I didn't mean to make you. And yet, here you are, paying the price. Malcolm. What? The shade said, still not looking. Malcolm, look at me. Even still, at first he flinched. Then Mr. Mayhew slowly allowed his eyes to rise, and there beheld Mr. Oaks glowing and swollen with all the life and hope 
to trust into him. Wherever in the world of Black Sun, anyone dared to imagine that there might be life yet worth living, Mr. Oakes was there, tending to that resolve, whispering, grow. And all who dared to dream of hope were there in the dark alongside him, adding to the radiance that poured from him now. By his light, Mr. Mayhew's shade took on life and luster long abandoned during the countless days in the dark. Now Mr. Oakes did touch him, fearing no fading. Don't grieve for having made me, he said. I don't grieve for having been made. Tears came and went to the shade's eyes, flowing from his cheeks a twinkle the abyss like misplaced stars. I thought you hated me. I thought you left because you hated me. I left, Mr. Oakes said, because I couldn't stand the idea that my mind was not my own, that my love was not my own to give. But I know myself now. I am myself, and I am. He folded his friend into his arms and held him there letting the lost soul weep for as long as he needed. For a time, they continued to walk in that wasteland, neither noticing the silence around them anymore. Even when their chatter subsided and they allowed a melancholy loneliness to attach itself, there was still beauty to be found and peace to be had. It was no terrible thing to be lonely, so long as you had someone there to be lonely with. What now? Mayhew asked finally, ready to face the point. Now we go back, Mr. Oaks replied, and then, I fear, we go to war. We have arrived, I'm afraid, at the ending. You will fight a war against death itself? Mr. Mayhew asked. Yes, was the answer. That fight cannot be won, Mr. Mayhew said. No, was the reply. Then Mr. Oakes added, That's why it must be fought. And so we will. You are a minor god at best, and I am barely more than a ghost. And there are very few survivors left. But they do survive, Mr. Oakes said. The more he tries to stamp them out, the brighter their lives shine. Every breath they take is an act of defiance. There will be a way to use that. I'm sure of it. How? How can you know? I can't know. But I do believe. Mr. Mayhew shook his head. Then, I guess I believe it too. Is that so? 
Don't knock my belief. The glum little man betrayed a smile. It's the reason you're standing here, after all. Mr. Oaks, the first and the final god of the city of the Black Sun. Why did you name me that, anyway? It was strange to see a ghost blush. There was a, a book that caught my eye during a, an especially bad time. Warfrey Oaks was the title. I don't even know what the damn thing's about, but the name Mr. Oaks stuck in a mental craw. And then there you were. And here you are. Here I am, Mr. Oaks said, soft. And now it's time for us to go. He pressed Mr. Mayhew close to him and fold him into the weight and abstraction of his shimmering being. His creator safe inside him, Mr. Oaks followed unseen markers towards the roads out of the dark. Inside of him, Mayhew looked out his eyes and twitched his fingers. I suppose, Mayhew mused, if this goes badly once again, we won't even have a way station like this to linger. They'll cast us into pure oblivion but that's no punishment, Mr. Oaks replied to himself. After all, better nothingness than pain, right? There was a pause, and then an answer. The answer was, no. Mr. Oaks nodded. That's why we fight, Malcolm. The light ahead was dim and dingy. No matter. He had plenty of his own to spare. The night moved beneath his feet, and the tune came back to his lips. Somewhere far off, there was a sound of thunder. Hi everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Black Sun Dispatches, part of the Cinepunks Podcast Network. Uh, as always, please be sure to go to the Cinepunks website to check out all kinds of cool podcasts, cool writing, cool news, uh, not any cool news, uh, Cinepunks news, much, much better. Uh, there's tons of great programming there for your listening and reading pleasure, so please head over to Cinepunks.com for all kinds of great stuff. Uh, you can follow the show, Black Sun Dispatches, on Twitter at Black Sun Show. And you can follow me, the show creator, on Twitter at the true Brennan F. That's me. I am the true Brennan F. Uh, the music for this episode was Winter by E.L. Heath, and our logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers, uh, as always. Uh, please head over to Extended Punks 2 uh, if you like the show, uh, contribute to our Patreon, and maybe rate and review us on iTunes. It's always a huge, huge help. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back here in a few weeks with the next episode. I believe the start of a new season. Thanks for hanging in there and listening to each episode that comes out. I look forward to seeing you next time. Well, I don't see you, but you hear me, and I I sent you through your iPod, I guess. That's creepy. I'm sorry. I need to go. Bye. <laughs>